like seeds in our heart that grow and bear much fruit. We bless you and give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's good to be here. It's been seven years, actually, I think, since the last time I, uh, I stood here and I, and I preached. Um, you know, before we went to Sri Lanka, we were in Bahrain for 11 years. We were at Rivers. We were part of the elders, along with Solomon and Lee. And, um, yeah, you never, you know, we never expected to first go to Sri Lanka. And, um, but it's been an adventure. And, and, you know, talking about Sri Lanka and Gateway Fellowship, which is the church that we lead, they send their greetings because there's a connection because we were sent from here to Sri Lanka. And uh, having said that, Ray and I have been talking, I'm sure he's maybe shared or not. You have, okay. So, you know, in September, we, we, we want to invite you to come to Sri Lanka. Um, I think it's, it's, it is a good place to come and a good place to minister. The last time anybody from, from Rivers came was 2019, which was Lynn and Jackie and I can't remember who else. Yeah. And that it was an exciting time because we were having a sunrise service and we had the Easter bomb attacks, and one of the hotels across from us got blown up. It was a very interesting time. So since then, nobody's come. I wonder why. No, no. <laughs> no but, you know, COVID and things have come into place. And, and really, we want to invite you. I want to ask you to consider partnering with Ray and coming to Sri Lanka and, and, and ministering in that nation. Um, you might be thinking, but I've just come from leave. I've just had my summer break and everything. But I want to I say to you that to do kingdom, there's a cost. And I want to ask you to even consider taking unpaid leave to join Ray and come to, to be with us and partner with us. I've, out of all the nations that I've ministered, I've ministered into Africa, quite a few places, Middle East, into Iraq, Kurdistan, and in, in Sri Lanka. For me, spiritually, in terms of a spiritual stronghold, Sri Lanka for me is the toughest. And we need people to come, and as we read in Joshua 1, every place that your feet will tread, God will give unto you. And God will give unto the church, and God will, will, will make a way into a nation that really needs to hear about Jesus. I know they need it here as well, but we need it there as well. So I want to ask you to partner with Ray with us, and to come and spend some time in Colombo and see what we do, and go up to the orphanage that you support and we support, and and just be a blessing over the city and the nation. So I really, please consider and speak to Ray, and uh, we'd love to see a whole bunch of you come to, to Sri Lanka. Amen. All right, there's a lot to be done there. And so it's just, it is, like I said earlier, for Zoo and I, it's a privilege to come back, in a sense, and it's almost like we've never left. There's, yes, there's all new faces. I was waiting for people to come to me and say, oh, welcome, your first time here? You know, you never know, but uh, it's just good to be back. But there's a message that needs to be shared, right? And so uh, this morning, I want to really frame the message around the idea that God is continually speaking. He speaks through Scripture. He speaks through the work of the Holy Spirit. He speaks through the release of the gifts of the prophetic, the words of knowledge, healing, just even the, the, the gift of hospitality. There's a message of God throughout and so, 
And the one thing that, that we need to understand is, is that in, the, in this message, because it's a golden thread, whether you read through the Old and New Testament, it all ultimately points towards Jesus. And part of that thread is there's invitations. And if there's an invitation, it requires a response. And if I had to give a title to this morning's sermon is, Will You Accept the Invitation? I'm going to unpack this out a little bit for you. Because it requires, if you get invited to a wedding, there's a response required. If you're invited to a party, there's a response required, right? So there, there is this response. And, and so there's, there's a need for people to hear the invitation that we find in Scripture. People need to hear it. And the question is, who are they going to hear this from? Who of you have heard that expression from uh, St. Francis of Assisi that says, in all situations, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Who's, who's heard that? Has anybody heard that? All right, some of you have heard that. I've preached it. And I had to repent to, to the church because it's totally wrong. He never said that. And if you think about it, actually, church, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. Because if, if people don't know you're a Christian and you do something good, then you've just done a good thing. And depending on the context, you might, and they don't know you're a believer, then they might think, oh, but you're a good Hindu. You're a good New Ager. You're a good person. How will they know that it's anything to do with Jesus? Because if it was that easy, this church would be filled, and this nation would be for Jesus. Right or wrong? So this statement, as famous as it is, it goes against Matthew 28, the Great Commission, which says, go into the world and do what? Preach. Preach. So I've had to, I said it once or twice at, at Gateway, and I had to come back and I had to repent. And, and so we need to change the way we think. If it was that easy, things would be different. And so Romans 10, 14 says this. It says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In context of the message, how can people respond to an invitation if they don't hear it? And the truth is, God has decided that we are to partner with him to make the invitation known. And so I want to look at that a little bit. I want to look at that in the context of Matthew 21. I want to ask you to turn with me, and then we're going to look at Matthew 22. Just, I want to read through these uh, parables very, very quickly. So 21 from 33, and it says, here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and, and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did, not, they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let's have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season. 
That's Matthew 21. If you go to 22 from verse 1, Jesus again spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who has a wedding feast for his son. He sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But when they would not come, he sent other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. But those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all, all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding ball, hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him, hand hand and foot, and cast him to the utter darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I want to share with you, that this is prim- these two parables are primarily about hardened hearts and how, in a sense, from that place, how they respond to an invitation. Yes, the parable talks about a landowner, it talks about a king, but it's really about God. Because the parable is... is an earthly story with a, with a spiritual meaning, right? It's a tool that Jesus used very effectively, and his primary focus was always about the kingdom. And so, a parable is maybe not always easy to understand. It's not something that, that just comes up, but like with anything, it's worthy to, it's worthwhile to just dig into it and, and to get an understanding. Because once we do, once we take note, then we expect it to live it out. That's what a parable does. It tells you about the kingdom, the treasure in the field, and the value and the cost that you're willing to pay. And the question is, will you do it? That's what a parable does. And so when we look at these two parables, the, the first parable is there's, there's an expectation that people will partner with God. Partner in the way they steward the land, partner in the way that they will have a harvest, and they will give back to to, to God, what is his any case? Right? So that's the first parable. In the second parable, we see how there's a wedding banquet and people have been invited and people have said, yes, I will come. But when the time comes, you know, they, they were expected to honor their commitment. They were expected to, to produce. In other words, they were expected to show up. But in both cases, I'm sure you've seen that this doesn't happen. The servants are mistreated, they're killed, they're ridiculed, they're rejected. And so the end result is that there's judgment. There's judgment. And so we see that, that even, even, even in, the, in the parable of the wedding feast, this is expanded a little bit more, that those that ultimately came to the wedding feast had to be ready in the way they honored the invitation, in the way they were dressed. But there were those who came who did not honor the spirit of the invitation. And you see there was a result for that action. Both who honored and, both, and for those who dishonored, there was a result. 
And we need to understand that, that it's not something that catches people unawares. Invitations come with a purpose. In the time of Jesus, you know, they, they, there wasn't an a, a, a e-invite and you didn't get a, a, what, the gift registry where you could choose so you didn't make a mistake in, and, you know, you get exactly what the wedding party wants. And from what I hear, you know, people look at it and the first come look for the, the best priced items, let's be honest, right? And then the guy who's a bit slow, he gets left with the most expensive but it wasn't like that in those days, right? There was two wedding invites. The first was, hey, we've got a wedding. Do you want to come? And if you said yes, you expected to honor your word. The second invite would then come with the time, the date, the place. And that's it. You made sure that you were available and you came and you, to the wedding and you celebrated. Because scripture is very clear that our word has to be our bond. And so how do people, how people in a sense interpret the invitations that we share with them has to do also in the way that we live. So what we need to understand is church scripture is full of invitations. And you might be thinking, but I don't see it. And I want to then ask you is how are you reading your Bible? Because this is exciting. This is life. And you might be thinking, man, I've got to read through three chapters, chapters and it's such a burden. But I want to say to you, it's exciting. You know, as a church, we, we, this year our focus is the kingdom of God. And so part of that is we're working through the, through the gospel of Mark. And, and I know we're in June, but we've only reached chapter 6. You might be thinking, man. But you know, can I tell you, in, in those first six chapters, you see, you see how, how Jesus has... Has, has revealed himself to, be, to have authority over Satan, over authority over sickness and over death and his, his, his authority over nature. So if you look at it, it's, it's an exciting, fast-paced book. And, and so if you read it with expectation and say, God, show me, then there's, there's revelation in that. And you start to see the invitations, not just for you, but the invitations that you have to share with others. And so the question that we must ask ourselves is this, and it's a big deal. Number one, do I recognize the invitations in Scripture? You have to ask yourself the question, do I recognize it? And when I do, what am I going to do about it? Because it's not, not just to say, hey, where's my highlighter? Oh, that's nice. Nice and yellow. Next. No. What are you going to do about it? Because you're not, you're not here in this beautiful nation for nothing. What is your purpose? What are you sharing with your neighbor and your work colleague and at school? What is the invitation that you're revealing? And we see that, especially in terms of the, the wedding feast, that that parable framed the Israelites in, in where they were in life. Because... They received the first invitation. And you'd read about it in Exodus 24 when they were running around in the desert for 40 years when, when, when God called up uh, Moses and Aaron and, and, and the 72 leaders and he brought them up and they entered into a covenant with God. And for them, the covenant was just about the promised land and, and how, walking in, in, in the blessing, the favor of God if they responded to his invitation of obedience. But what they didn't see is that this was just 
There was something before that. It was the Abrahamic covenant that there will be a blessing to the nations. And so they step into that and they think, man, we have arrived. So when the second invitation came, would you like to think who that was? Nobody was quiet. When the second invitation in the person of Jesus came, they couldn't recognize it. Not everybody could recognize it. And we see that, that when Jesus, if, if you go to Luke 19 and, and in, in Matthew 21, when Jesus enters into Jerusalem as king, representative as king, and the people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, you can read about it. You know, he, he cries out in pain. Instead of it being a time of celebration, Jesus cries out in pain because he knows how many will reject him, how the nation the promised people rejected him. And he says in, in, in Luke 19 from 41, he says, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. He came with an invite. He came with a revelation, the kingdom of God. You think about this, you know, Luke 19 or, or, or Matthew 21, it's at the end of his life. He's ministered. He's saved people. He's delivered people. He's healed people. And yet... Many will not respond. Many will reject. And so if you go back to to Matthew 22, the second parable of the wedding feast, you see the response of God. From verse 8, it says, the king in the parable, but we know it's a picture of God, he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those that are invited... Here's the invitation. Those that are invited did not deserve to come. Speaking about the nation. Verse 9. So go into the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. And this is a picture of you and I. Because we come from all walks of life. We come from different experiences and different nations. But yet, the invite went to the bad and the good. We were invited. Because of Christ, we've been invited to the wedding feast. And Revelation 19 speaks about this, where it says there's going to be a unity of, of if you use biblical terms of Gentiles and Jews who, who love on Jesus who will come together. And Revelation 19 verse 6 says, And I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of gushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. The bride is us, church. But there's many more that need to come into the wedding feast. Many more that need to understand there's an invitation. And the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited. 
Blessed are those who are invited. Go back to Romans 10. How can they know about the invitation unless someone tells them, church? I'm going to be honest with you. For Zoo and I, Sri Lanka was the furthest thing in our minds. We thought we'd be here for another 20 years. Honestly. (laughs) But there's an invitation. There's an invitation. So church, we need to ask ourselves, what do I see that God is revealing to me? What is the word that I'm invited to share? What is it that I need to bring to others around me in my, in my sphere of influence, the people that I love and I care for, my family that is unsaved, my co-worker, how can I bring an invitation to them? And it needs to come from Scripture. You need to see it. You need to partner with it. And you need to share it. And so I want to just share four invitations that we encounter in Scripture. These are just samples, something that I want to challenge you with, and something for you to look at, so hopefully it stirs something within you. It changes the way you look at Scripture. It changes the way you partner with the vision and the mission of rivers. Because you're not here by accident. When you're here, you might have come from another, of course you've come from another country, but, but, and you had a home church there. But when you're here, how are you partnering with the vision here? You know, we sit here with, and I'm not... It's, it's the reality. We sit here with, with AC and it's comfortable. We drive nice cars. But we took, you know, we closed the church a couple of months back. We put everybody in a bus. We went up into the mountain. We ministered. Man, no AC, nothing. And that, that's the reality of Sri Lanka. And some of you come out of Africa and you know what it means. And from different places. But is it worth it? Of course. Because we touch lives. You know, we pulled the youth out and we did youth with them because they've never done youth. Because there's no resources there. They go to Sunday school until they're 16 and then, boom, they go to big people's church. But how do we deal with their needs at their age and the challenges of, of what they're facing? And trust me, even there, the, 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 the social media draws them and sucks them. And wants to suck out their brain and make them think otherwise. We spend time with the men and with the ladies and with the leaders question is, how, will, how far are you willing to go with that invitation? So there's four invitations I want to share with you this morning. The first invitation is an invitation for all of mankind, to all of mankind for salvation. Turn with me to 1 John 2, verse 2. Maybe you can underline that. It says this. It says, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. In other words, he stood in our stead. He took the wrath of God on himself so that we could be cleansed of sin. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not only our sins, but also for the whole world. And the people are only going to know about it if you tell them. People will only know about it if there's an invitation. And I want to say to you, church, and this is the thing, is that we need to understand that this invitation to enter in, this invitation to hear about Jesus and accept him and for their lives to be changed comes with an expiry date. Don't know if you ever thought about that. Actually, we do because when we go to the supermarket, we look at it and we, the first thing we look at is the expiry. I do. In any case, 
especially since living where we've been living, right? Because to save electricity at night, they switch off the fridges. There's an expiry date. Because when Jesus comes again, it's too late. He's so saying, what are we doing? What is the invitation that we are sharing? We don't know when that's going to be. But we need to bring people to a place where they can hear the invitation so they can respond. One way or another, they can respond. And the thing is, for that to happen, it's on you. So there's an invitation each of you have responded to. Well, maybe not every one of you. Now, first time that I've been here, ministered here in seven years, so I want to ask, if, if there's anybody here who's never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to say to you there's an invitation for you. There's an opportunity for you to encounter Jesus, for your life to be radically changed, to have the promise of eternal life and security that this world cannot give you. It's all to do with the person of Jesus, as we read in Romans 10. Because it says, he who confesses with the mouth, believes in the heart, that Jesus is Lord. It's that simple. They'll be saved. So maybe at the end of this message, we'll give an opportunity that for those of you who have never accepted that you're thinking about it, an opportunity for you to respond. But with the invitation for mankind for salvation, there's an invitation for you and I to partner with God. Remind you of the trip in September. You know, in, in Isaiah 6, verse 6, God's got a message for his people. They're in rebellion. And God asks this question. He says, Isaiah writes, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responds and he said, Here I am, send me. That question is still for today. Who will go? Who will go? I want to say to you that it's an amazing place to be in the plan and purpose of God, to respond to the invitation of who will go. We see it in Luke 9 when he sends out the 12. We see it in, in, in Luke 10 when he sends out the 72. And he gives them a mandate, which is to preach the kingdom, to heal the sick, to drive out demons. And that hasn't changed today. It hasn't changed today. Because what we are called to do is to expose people to truth. We need to, when we share, when we share this invitation, you know what we are doing? We are positioning them so they are able to respond. I read to you from Luke 10, 14 earlier, but 10, 13 says, I'm sorry, Romans, says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then 14 says, but how will this happen? How will this happen? And you might be thinking, yep, that sounds good, but um, that's not for me. I want to ask you, what is this? I hope some of you can see it. What is this? I've looked at your evacuation board, so you're all good if this place comes alive. 
Actually, it's not a lighter. This is an object that has the potential to be a lighter. Think about it. It only becomes a lighter when it lights. Mankind, you and I, we were all in this place that we had the potential to be sons and daughters of God. But there had to be an invitation. There had to be something that we needed to respond to. Right? And the thing is this, is that until... Whoops. I'm famous for my experience back in Sri Lanka. People come just to watch. (laughs) Yeah. I actually taught the church how to walk on water the other day. I did. I poured water on the ground and I walked on it. And, you know, we've got a bunch of ladies who are clean freaks. And I think they forgot the rest of the sermon because they were just wondering who's going to get to the mob first. But the reality is this. Everyone has potential to be a son and daughter of God. But they need to hear a message. And so the reality is this, is that life, you know, can suck everything out of you. And life can be difficult. And things are topsy-turvy. Some of you might be thinking, well, actually, this is my life at the moment, right? You know what the difference between these people and you is? You've got Jesus. They don't. So life is brutal and messy. Yonder, I need your help here. Uh, Can you just hold this? All right. So, what they need, even though they, they might be dead, is they need hope. They need an invitation. So this is someone you know, someone you love. This is you. You might be thinking, no, it's not me. This is you. It's you and the person next to you and the person next to you. But you come along. There's no wind here. Yeah, we'll stand here. There's no wind here. Ah, Who's got a lighter? (laughs) Right? You come along. Do you see? And then this person comes along. Still on. Anyway, you get the picture. <laughs> Thank you. The AC, I forgot about the AC. All right. <laughs> Trust me, it is gold. But I want to say to you, this is, this is the world. The topsy-turviness. People are dead. They're dead. These lighters were dead until another lighter came along and set them on fire. And so people need to hear the invitation, and the invitation has to come from you. It's not going to come by osmosis. It's not going to come by this, this, the, the wrong statement of St. Francis, just be a good guy. It's not going to work. They need to hear. People need to hear there's an invitation. And I want to ask you to be that person that brings the invitation. We're invited to partner with God. 
And in this partnership is the third invitation to use our giftings and our talents for God's kingdom and his glory. Scripture that comes to mind is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, and it says there are many different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, each one, each and every single one of you, is, is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Because you see, you have something everyone needs. If you look at the person next to you, they have something you need and you have something they need. To one is given through the Spirit, of, uh, through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another miraculous powers, I'm just paraphrasing, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he, he determines. And so we've got this picture of this. This is not, I don't believe this is the exclusive list. This is just a sample of gifts and talents and, and things and, and abilities that we can offer to God for the kingdom. So they, they can be used to carry the invitation to others. And so there's an invite actually for you more than, it, than the people out there. The invite is, are you willing to use what you have for the kingdom? Are you willing to do it in such a way that you will bring honor and glory to God? Last year, our focus was Koram Deo, which means that I live in the presence of God and His authority for His glory. Under, in his presence, and there's authority for his glory. In his presence, and there's authority for his glory. That my life has meaning to God. And so I live it to the full. And so there's an invitation for you, church. Your gifting, your talents, your abilities, your passions, your dreams. How does that come and in, in, in network into, into rivers and from rivers into the nation? Because I believe the church has to be the, the key of everything we do. You might have a gifting of an evangelist, but you need to be planted in a house of where you're loved and cared for and nurtured and, and covered in terms of spiritual covering so you can go and do what you're called to do and you have support. You might have a gifting of the prophetic. How, the, how does you learn to use that here so you can be effective out there? But the question is this. There's an invite. Are you willing to step into that? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to use it for his kingdom, to live Koram Deo, which is... Exciting, but it's not always easy. And the final thing, which actually piggybacks off what Lynn shared during worship, and I think we need it. It's like what the sh- is the invitation to rest in Jesus. It's like what I showed you here earlier when this whole thing looked like a washing machine. I think some of you might feel like that, and it's only six months into the year. But yet the invitation is there. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. It says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is the oxymoron of our faith, the contradiction of our faith. 
Our victory is in our surrender. Our hope is in, in just resting in Jesus. And so I want to say to you that this invitation, how would you respond to that? I want to say to you this invitation is to posture yourself before God. That you position yourself before Him in surrender. And you say, God, not just the burden, my life I give to you. The burden is one thing. But the reality is that that to rest, we need to give the totality of us so we can receive the fullness of God. There's a transaction. We give him of us and we gain so much more. So there's an act in this invitation of submission. Mankind has has really a habit of, of adding burdens. We do. You know, in culture, at work, there's these burdens, there's these, you know, we've got to do, 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 and do, do, do again. And in church, unfortunately, we've got, the church is, in, talking about in general, has, an, has a great ability to, to add burdens and rules and legalism. Look at the Pharisees. You know, they were willing to tithe up to the leaf of a mint, but they wanted, you know, that was the excuse not to step into what God had for them. And so the church also unfortunately has had, hasn't had a good track record sometimes on, on teaching people how to rest in Jesus. But our response to this invitation should be Jesus. Jesus, you alone. I'm not going to step into this invitation of rest. It's in that place where we can, when we are postured before him, whether you stand, you kneel, but it's really a, a statement of the heart. It's a position of our heart. Because it's only there that he can set you free. It's only there that you can have hope. Because I was having a discussion earlier and, and the craziness of what's happening. I don't know people without Jesus, how they can do it. How they can get up in the morning and face another day without Jesus. And this is what we need to aim for, to respond to the invitation of rest. I just want to leave it there, I think. But I hope I've stirred something within you. I want to, that's been my aim, to stir something that, that, that life is about responding to the invitations that we find throughout Scripture. And not just you responding about it, to it. It's just about bringing others into that that can see that invitation, respond to that. So to summarize, we need to look at how we read Scripture and how we respond to Scripture differently. Because just from the four points today, we've been invited to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because it's in that place that there's transformation. I spoke earlier about the the invitation that Jesus is there to take away our sins, to take away our, our... our confusion and our loss, more than that, is there to bring us back into relationship with the Father because of the price he paid on the cross. Now, I don't know who of you here have not accepted Jesus. Who of you here are sitting here thinking, I need to make a decision? But it's okay if I, if I ask. I just want to honor you with that. Can I ask everybody, just where you're sitting, maybe just, just to make life a bit easier, 
Can I ask you just to close your eyes, everyone, for a moment? I want to say to you, church, that this morning there's an invitation, the invitation of Jesus Christ. There's an invitation where he says, come to me. I want to ask you, is anyone here who's, who's not accepted Jesus, who might feel that they've just, they've just fallen away from, from God, who needs to realize as we re- read in Romans 10, that if you believe and you confess Jesus, that you will be saved. Is there anyone here this morning that, that is in that place? Can I ask you just to put up your hand? I don't know. I don't know you. So it's, but it's a privilege to ask this question. That's fine. But I want to ask you this. This invitation that I've made to you, nobody's put up their hands, but... Why don't you make that invitation to your family and to your loved ones and to your colleagues within context? So even invitation to, to tell others that Jesus, to bring them into an encounter with Jesus so they can hear the invitation. Number two, there's an invitation for you to partner with God so that people can see the kingdom of God revealed on earth as it is in heaven. And God's decided to do that with you. But He's chosen you and I to reveal His kingdom. I want to say to you that you're invited to, to, to see God's kingdom manifest through you when you use your gifts and your talents. Because you've all received that. Everyone, Scripture said that. Everyone has received that. And finally, you're invited to rest in Jesus so that you can finish this race called life. And where you are this morning, I just wanna, want to ask you, as, as, thank you, Lynn. As Lynn plays, just do you need to respond to any of these invitations to rest in him? To say, God, you know what? I actually want to see your kingdom manifest through me, and, and I'm sorry if I haven't stepped into what you called me to. I'm just going to give some time. I'm, I'm going to keep quiet for a moment and just allow you to do business with God and to change your posture of your heart and your, of your response. And Father, this morning, I just I thank you that our lives are not the same. I thank you that the people here have, have heard your invitation, but there's so much more. There's, there is the primary one, but there's so much more. And Father, I pray that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish everything 
it's set out to do. And I pray, Lord God, for life change. I pray for change in our posture before you. I pray for change in the way we respond to your invitations. I pray, Lord God, that, that we will be able to be a people of faith and of courage, that we are bold and courageous every place we go as you commanded Joshua, Lord God, that we will be the same in, in, this, in this nation. Father God, for courage and boldness to, to share the invitation of Jesus. Boldness and courage to step out of our comfort zones and, and to use our giftings and our talents. Boldness and courage to partner with you. So Father, I pray that there will be a move of your spirit this way. pray that you'll continue to stir things within us. Father God, to bring revelation to those places that are in darkness. Father God, if there's anything that we need to let go and it just release in Jesus' name, I pray there will be a freedom and a release over everyone here. Father God, that we do not live in the past, but we live with our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, Lord God, that there will be a change in us and through us into this nation. Father God, that we will see your invitations, we will share your invitations, that we will live out your invitations. I want to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Devlin. I don't know if you've been challenged. I've been challenged. Um, if you would like to listen to the message again, we do have a Spotify and Apple podcast available.